0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors beat the Portland Trailblazers 118-103 in a game that didn't have Damian Lee, Andre Godala, Moses Moody, or Jonathan Kaminga, the latter two, played in Santa Cruz during the big league clubs game. And at first I was like, oh, I hope they have enough horses out there against... A Portland team that, you know, honestly is pretty mediocre, but sometimes Dame can get up for playing against his hometown or I guess now home area team. And the Warriors were perfectly fine. It just goes to show you again how deep they are, because even without all those dudes, they still went five deep on the bench with Bielitsa, Otto Porter Jr., JTA, Gary Payton II, and even... Chris Chioza. but taking it from the start of the game, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole and Steph all were hitting their shots early, which set a really good tone. I mean, when Andrew Wiggins is aggressive in the first quarter, like he has been recently, it really just kind of unlocks the team. I mean, let's face it, like when he's hitting and if Steph's hitting and if Jordan Poole's hitting then that can get them off to a pretty good start. You know, those are three very potent scorers who all have, you know, different types of games. Wiggins was attacking. He was crashing the glass. He was going for aggressive drives. Another good Andrew Wiggins game. The dude was 10 for 16, three for five from three. He hit both his free throws and he had 25 points, plus 21 on the night with five boards, two assists. That's pretty good. (laughs) I'll take that any given night from him. And Wiggins had that massive alley-oop dunk, and that's where you really saw his athleticism because he he got up so high, and there was no one around him. So you could just see unencumbered how high he had to go up with his hands to get that ball and how high his feet were up off the ground. We're seeing this so much more than we ever saw it the previous year and a half since he'd been traded to the Warriors. And I'm digging it, you know? Everybody that was thinking over the summer, like, hey, let's just throw Wiggins in with Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, whomever else to get Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal or whomever else, Dame Lillard, you know? Yeah, that wouldn't be looking good right now, would it? I've also noticed that Wiggins and Poole, you know, they're getting into a groove as the secondary scorers after Steph for now. I mean, they play different styles. Obviously, Wiggins is more of a driver and athletic wing, whereas Poole is more just crafty and is a better shooter from outside, in theory. (laughs) In theory. Uh, He didn't have the best shooting night against the Blazers, but still having Poole take a greater role this season, it seems like it actually helps Andrew Wiggins in the sense that there's less pressure on him to be that number two guy. He can share those duties for now with Jordan Poole. And it looks like he kind of enjoys it, you know? I mean, overall, it looks like he's having more fun this season, but that's got to be a big deal to him, you know? Like for some guy who doesn't really demand the spotlight or want the limelight, it's like he and Poole can play off of each other a lot better. So that's a positive. And when Clay gets back, both those guys are going to be moved down a notch. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And from the outset, the Warriors' D was pretty much locked in. They were on a string and basically in sync on both ends of the court. The only thing that honestly kept the Blazers close within striking distance early on was the fact that there were some terrible Warriors turnovers, like passing it off of people's legs, miscommunication, all this other stuff. And obviously, (laughs) like I've spoken about a ton of times, they have that tendency. But luckily, the Blazers are a team that they can make those mistakes against. Like I mentioned, the Blazers are pretty just mediocre. You know, my buddy Aram in Toronto, he talks about how this is a team that It's like that couple that just needs to break up. It's like, oh, kind of just flatlining at this point. That team, they're 1-9 and on the road, so I guess they're better at home. But watching them for the first time, really, since earlier in the season, you just don't see that this Portland team is going to get that much better. Like, what kind of dent could they actually make in the playoffs against anyone? They have some talent, but after Dame, you know what you'll get with CJ, you know what you'll get with... Nurkic. Covington isn't going to make a huge difference at this point. He's not going to take you over the top. Nasir Little, you know, he seems to be okay, but not developing as quickly as I would have thought. That's one dude I wanted the Warriors to draft a couple years ago. The only dude on that team that I actually really like is Anthony Simons. That guy, he's only 6'3". He actually (laughs) plays bigger than that. I thought he was taller than that But he hit a bunch of shots in the second half that woke the Warriors up a little bit from coasting. Got the lead down almost to single digits again. But, you know, the Warriors just flipped the switch back on and just shut it down. At this point, the Warriors just kind of own the Portland Trailblazers. Kind of going through the motions. It felt like once the Warriors started doing what the Warriors do, there was one time when Dame went to the bench and he looked just like... Downtrodden, like he knew what was coming. That is one team that I would love for the Warriors to face in the playoffs because, as good as Dame is, he's definitely not enough to take them very far. I was texting with Aram about Simons, and I was like, Oh, you know, he is the one guy who could be an X factor who does have that it factor. If he improves in the next couple years, he could maybe make them a little bit more threatening. But he mentioned it's probably a little too late, which I actually agree with. And he would make a great replacement for CJ McCollum. And so they should probably move CJ if Dame's not going to demand a trade. And I don't know what CJ can get you on the open market right now. But yeah, you know, they're kind of boring to watch because you know exactly what you're getting. I mean, it doesn't help the fact that Dame and CJ both had mediocre nights. And on that point, you know, it's great to see Steph versus Dame and, you know, Dame's had better nights and he's playing better than he was at the beginning of the season, but it's good to see Steph prove how much better he is than Dame Lillard. I love Dame, but for all the gravity that Steph has for all that he does off ball, for all the movement, for all the screening... <laughs> for all the titles, for all the individual awards in the last couple years, when the Warriors were down, you know Dame had some great moments, right? But just because he's a great shooter and he can hit deep shots as often as Steph can, doesn't mean he's at all better than Steph. I mean, it's hard to argue, right? Steph just does so much more. Steph just has such such a greater impact. I mean, Dame is amazing, Hall of Famer, top seventy-five technically, and one of the best players in the league. But Steph is like a (laughs) transcendental player. You know, Dame is one of the best players of his era, but Steph is one of the best players legit of all time, like up there in the rare air. A few more things, you know, the Warriors, they're just starting to click more and more. I mean, I love seeing JTA do that dribble handoff fake again you know, where he just dives to the basket and he threw down a massive dunk. And yeah, this Warriors system and the players IQs, this is turning into a real machine, if you know what I'm saying. One thing I love to see is just how smart Draymond Green is out there. I mean, he's having an amazing season. I mean, it's clear that he right now is so active and his motivation, whether it's because, like he said, he wants his kids to see how good he is, you know, now that his kids are a little bit older. And just because they're winning, you know, he sees that, like, what he does is so important, right? Last couple seasons, it's like all the effort he puts in, it doesn't really translate because he makes guys better. But if you're not that great, <laughs> he can't do much for you. But this is, like, an ideal scenario again. What he does on the court makes such a huge difference defensively, offensively running the show. I mean, he had that one play where I was like, oh, where, you know, he was behind the three point line by several feet and Nurkic came out to guard him on, on the perimeter and without hesitation, he's just like, oh, you're going to guard me. And he just ran. He just ran right past him and threw it down. It's like, that's how smart he is. No hesitation. He sees like this dude come out on me. I'm not even thinking twice. I'm just going. And it's fascinating too, because like, you know, obviously Clay's been out the last couple of years and you think of like the, you think of Steph, Clay, Draymond all together. But in the last couple of years, it's just been Steph and Draymond. And it's not exactly like this, but seeing how well they play off of each other, how They know where the other one is going to be, what the other one needs the other person to do. It's like the reverse Stockton Malone, you know, whereas like Stockton would just pick and roll with Malone and Malone would roll and either go to the basket or shoot those soft mid-range jumpers. This is like the opposite, right? The point guard is the one shooting and the power forward is the one setting screens and hitting them with open passes. Like they have this telepathy almost out there, which is kind of beautiful to see. One more shout out to Kavon Looney. He's caught some flack, but eh, he was six for seven, seven boards, minus three, but he had 12 points. He does pretty decently against some of these more old school, slower plotting centers, as opposed to the younger quick dudes. So this was a good game for him to be in. And in another way, the Warriors playing teams like the Blazers and the teams that they've kind of let hang around in the past couple weeks before overwhelming them. It reminds me of, it's a different kind of Spurs analogy I'll say, right? Because when the Warriors would sometimes play the Spurs, when the Warriors were bad, you know, the Spurs would kind of have these off games and the Warriors would think they could win. And then the Spurs would just execute and come out on top. And that's what the Warriors are doing. And I don't take that for granted because there were decades Where other teams would do that to the Warriors, whether it was the Lakers, the Spurs, the Suns, any other good teams. (laughs) I mean, that's what they're doing now. The Warriors, they have the ability just to overwhelm eventually. Even if they start slowly, they have the ability to overwhelm them on both ends of the court. And bottom line, that's hard to stop. Some teams are decent defensively, but can they score enough? Some teams can score, but can they guard The Warriors are near the top of the NBA in both of those. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports contests Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The coming week, the Warriors are going to face some tests. This will really really tell us a lot because like I've said, sometimes you look at this Warriors team at 17 and 2 and you're like, is this real? Are they this good? After the Brooklyn game, it was like, yeah. And I've said that I've wanted to see the Warriors play the Suns and the Jazz. And they get the Suns twice this week. They play the Clippers actually on Sunday 1st. And that's a big deal because the Clippers are playing better. After that first game against the Warriors, they kind of stunk it up for a while. But now they're playing a little bit better. But hey, even if the Clippers are playing better, the Warriors are playing much better themselves. So... I'm curious to see how that one turns out. What will that game look like? You know, will they falter? Will being on the road in a tough Western Conference environment phase them at all, phase some of their younger dudes? Part of the season is to get the Andrew Wiggins, the Jordan Pools, the JTAs, the Jonathan Kamingas ready for the pressure of big games. You know, big games that the core has seen, the veterans have seen, but some of these younger guys, they haven't experienced it yet. And then after that, Tuesday at Phoenix and then Friday at home versus Phoenix. And I don't know if y'all are paying attention, but yes, the Warriors are at 17 and 2, an unbelievable 17 and 2. But the Suns are 16 and 3. They're on a 15 game winning streak. That's crazy, right? It's going to be interesting because the Warriors have that old school championship DNA. They've been through fights and playoff runs, their core has. But the Suns just came from the finals, and pretty much their whole team has been in the finals. Something you can't say for the rest of the Warriors' roster. So I'm curious to see how this all plays out. Will the Warriors end that three game stretch 20 and 2, 17 and 5, or somewhere in between? You know, I would hope they come out of this 2 and 1, so that they would come out 19 and 3. I'm hoping for a win against the Clippers, and I'll take a split against the Suns. But it's interesting, right? Because, you know, we all know how important it is to get playoff positioning locked down. And with the Suns right behind the Warriors, it kind of reminds me of the 73-win Warriors team in 2015-2016 when the San Antonio Spurs were chasing them. They were just right behind them for most of the season in terms of record. It wasn't until closer towards the tail end of that season... That there was more separation between them. Uh, You know, ideal situation is the Warriors don't have to constantly be looking over their shoulder in the sense that, oh, wow, we're really good, but then the Suns are right there too. You don't want to make any mistakes from the 73 win season where that could have caused fatigue, injuries, whatever. Yes, I know. Trust me. If Steph doesn't hurt his knee Against the rockets, if he doesn't slip on a puddle of sweat, then the Warriors probably take that title. but still, you know, these are measuring stick games and as y'all know, like Andre Gudala hasn't played in several games, like maybe five games now. but let's hope that he plays in these upcoming games this week because he's meant for high leverage games. He's meant for these important games, and I'm hoping I'm guessing they've put him on ice with the target of playing this week because these are important games. After that second Suns game, they play San Antonio and then Orlando and then Portland again. He could sit for all those, you know, (laughs) and he bumps, bruises, swelling. He could chill after that. But my guess is they've been saving him up for like, they looked at the schedule and they were like, okay, you know, if you're beat up, we need you for these Suns games we we'll see. This is where the season starts to get interesting, right? Around 20 games. The Clippers game will be the 20th game. And that's when you really start seeing how your season is shaping up and so far so good. But this stretch is going to be really telling. And if the Warriors happen to win all three games to beat the Clippers and the Suns twice, I think like the NBA will explode and the hype train will get even more insane if they end up 20-2 and two after this and beat the Suns and end their 15-game winning streak. And one final, final thing. I just want to touch on the whole Clay Thompson, you know, kind of sitting on the bench with a towel over his head, being emotional after the game. And, yeah, man, that's, that's rough, you know? Like, you can only imagine what that dude's been through. And we look at athletes all the time, and it's like they're famous. They... Live every little kid's dream and they're super wealthy and all this stuff. But, you know, anyone that experiences any type of loss should understand, should empathize with this, whether you lose something important to you, someone important to you, a sense of self, whatever. Very few of us know Klay Thompson personally. I don't. But for all intents and purposes, everything we've seen up until the injury and ever since, I mean, he seems like a like a good enough dude. And you just feel for him, you know, because you're seeing this all play out. And you can only, only really imagine how tough that must be. Because what? Having a great game, tears his ACL in the finals, and the Warriors lose. And just as soon as he is about to come back on draft day last year, tears his Achilles. An even more devastating injury and tougher rehab. You can tell he's... Sensing the comeback coming closer and just seeing the joy probably that his teammates have on the court and being there, but not being able to really be there, not being able to participate, being on the bench, still stuck there. It's going to be amazing when he returns, not just for him, the Warriors organization, Warriors fans everywhere, but NBA fans anyone who knows or follows Clay Thompson's career, because at least he's one dude in this stratified world and this stratified NBA that, for the most part, people seem to like. There's not a ton of them in the league, but he's definitely up there. So everybody's pulling for him. And if you're not, you're probably just a bad person. It's interesting to see that human side because we know it's there, but when the lights go off, it's usually dealt with in in private. So interesting moment and knock on wood, if and when he comes back fully healthy, this will just be part of the story of his amazing Hall of Fame career. Anyway, that's all I got. Hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. This has been another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at PatrickCupino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com, and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating and or say some nice things about us in review on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps a ton. All right. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.